Happy Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes. Welcome to Trust is My Home. Today we have kind of a cold, wet, and rainy day to help us remember our Lourdes, I guess. Um, this episode is actually a recorded talk. It was given to a women's group here in Texas, and it is very much along the themes of Trust is My Home, um, kind of going deeper into what it means for God the Father to bring us to a place of home. I hope that you have a blessed day. Welcome to Trust is My Home, a weekly podcast about living a covenant of trust with the Father. From Loretto House here in Austin, Texas to your own home, this podcast seeks to lay down and enflesh the foundation of trust that becomes the true rock on which to build a home. Each week we will talk about realigning our lives toward the Father. What does it mean to trust Him? If God is a good Father, and we believe that, how does that change the way we live our lives? We'll dig deep into the hidden treasures of the hearts of mothers and fathers who are choosing to live radical trust in God, and speak honestly about the challenges and the testimonies that come from such a life. This is a podcast from this home to your homes, meant to reach into the sometimes lonely struggles to weave encouragement, joy, and community into your day. So whether you're driving, cleaning, folding, or just stopping to listen, welcome to Trust is My Home. That we're really in a very special time of grace in the world right now. Um, really beginning with the year of mercy. Expressing, so mercy, what was the year of mercy? The year of mercy was the Father like opening everything and expressing all of his love and just begging us to receive it. Um, but there seems to be a movement of the Holy Spirit, not just in um, the Catholic world, but also in the Protestant world, of this kind of understanding that what we've built ourselves uh, is not sufficient to, to sustain um, our faith and to sustain our kind of abundant life. And so there's so many different, uh, even in the New Age world and the, like, if we just listen to like the, the cry of the world kind of as a whole, there's this great cry and longing for healing. And I see in the Catholic Church there's a beautiful, uh, the John Paul II Healing Center. They're, they do a lot of retreats, healing retreats. Uh, there's Elijah House that does a lot of healing retreats. Uh, Rachel's Vineyard also has another uh, kind of healing retreat, healing after abortion, but then there's all <coughs> Grief to Grace, which is healing. So there's, these kind of things have, kind of been simmering, but they're really coming to the surface. And I was listening to a podcast, and it was Protestant, and of kind of a husband and wife, and it was kind of in the similar vein of, of desiring healing, right? So you have like this 40-year-old woman who had it all together, like, and had it perfect, you know, and was doing it all, and was amazing, and has achieved the dream. <laughs> and then these crises where maybe I think her husband might have, you know, cheated on her, or some kind of really the things that happen in this life, like where we are, when we are building our own holiness, sometimes the greatest mercy of God is to, to have us fall so that we can let him build us. And uh, one of those, um, this talk, you know, this, this woman, she's kind of, I guess, a little bit scandalous in the Protestant world because she keeps on speaking about the divine feminine, right? So she's talking about this kind of feminine nature of God 
and you know like it's kind of scandalous to say God is she and but you know does God have both this nature that can encompass and understand both the masculine and the feminine which are two actually different things regardless what the world says right this femininity and masculinity and it's interesting that I was just pondering because I was thinking she's having to create these um it's kind of a mythology or almost a, an understanding of the feminine God because she has a longing, right? So God is going to fill our longing. So she has a longing for that femininity and that gentleness in God. And it is there. It's, there's absolutely no doubt. So if Adam and Eve are the image and likeness of God together as one, you see the feminine and masculine aspect. And as Catholics, we, um, we have this tradition that actually is sometimes very scandalous to pro- the Protestant world is our love and devotion to Mary. And sometimes we get accused of worshiping Mary. Um, she is not God. Mary is not God. We don't worship her. Uh, but are having kind of superstition with Mary. And one of the things I was listening to her, uh, this woman talk, and I was realizing that she hasn't met Mary. She hasn't met Mary. And maybe we haven't even met Mary. Maybe to us, Mary's still one of those perfect statues. And that it, maybe sometimes Mary to us is that, oh, she was so perfect, she could never understand what I've been through, right? But I really believe that God chose this woman first as a little girl, who, somebody who was so open to the Father in every way as a woman, to the vulnerability of God. Um, to be a reflection of that feminine nature in God, right? And what I mean by that is she's not God, but she reflects to us. And I feel like in the Holy Spirit, you see that spousalness of the Holy Spirit with her. There's something that we, as women, one of the things we love to do is meet other people and share with other people our experiences. So we our women are, in general, we like to communicate and share, and we find strength in that. Um, and that's in time and memorial. Is, that's always been how women build community. I think there's a, there's a series on probably like maybe Amazon Prime, um, Home Fires, and it's this series of these women like right around World War II in this community. And just as a community, because they have this kind of sisterhood, they are able to get through, you know, death of a husband, a cheating husband, you know, alcoholic, you know, because they had this love of sisterhood. And that's always been a part of kind of this world, is that how women were not, necess- not, not by fighting something from the outside, but by, by the strength of communion, allowing ourselves, you know, and kind of being kind of healers for each other. And I think that God knows that. And he gave us his mother. So if Jesus was going to give us a mother, a woman, someone, he knew that what we needed was a woman to share with. Don't you think he would give us the most perfect one? The most perfect one? The most, the thing that we needed the most. And this is exactly what he did at the cross. He said, behold your mother. In his last words, behold your mother. And he uses the word woman, and he uses the word son to John. So he says to John, you know, woman, like basically encapsulating all of us, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. And so in that moment at the cross, 
we receive Mary as our mother. And there's nothing that Mary is more concerned with than us, first of all, knowing God the Father as she knows God the Father and bringing us to her son. And that was actually a very strong image I had at, at the wake of Eloise is that this kind of radiance. And I really kind of feel like Mary kind of took over. Um, she kind of, you know, we have moments when we feel like we've let God take over or that, that kind of through Marguerite's kind of just responsiveness and, and welcoming Mary into the room with her um, and with her on this journey that Mary really took over. And I could see that by this um, radiance that she had. And, and in a way she was saying, you know, she was giving us her son, you know. I mean, in a sense, she's given us her son. And I shared with her that I shared Eloise uh, with you today, um, that I shared her son. Because it's something that they sh her and Benoit have freely given. And um, it's funny because I work with many mothers who have lost children and there's always this crazy moment where when they have offered really their son to God, they recognize their son working in the lives of other people that they don't even know. And it's kind of like this giving your son away. And this is what Mary had to do as well. She had to give her son away. And, and when Jesus died, he was no longer her particular son, but he became for all of us. That somehow, in leaving this life, her son was then able to be with all of us. And so in the Catholic Church, we believe in saints. And I know that Eloise is a saint. And I have little other saints here as well. I mean, he was baptized. And he was pure of heart. And he was not at the age where he could choose against God. And he, he had very evident signs of, of that. And I do believe that he's an intercessor for all of us today. And a little kid that wants to keep us in that place of child, childlikeness. But when I was listening to this podcast of this woman, my sense from her is that she needs to meet Mary. Because what she's longing for from God, um, and kind of stirring the water, so to speak, like her, in her desire for this, it's already, it's, already, it's already been answered, right? It's already been answered by God, her desire. Um, she just hasn't met it yet. And I think that there's a part of us that desires a mother, a woman, someone who will be gentle with us, who will be tender with us, who will be tender with our flesh, who will let us rest, who will know our sufferings. Maybe we had that in our, in our mother, maybe we didn't. But God wants to give that to us. So um, that's just something to think about today on Mary's Day, that Mary wants to mother us. And some of us, we can be wounded maybe by our father, we can be wounded by our mother, so it's hard to relate to those things. But God really wants to fill those human desires, and our first human desire is for a mother and a father. Our first human desire is for a mother and a father who will not fail us. A mother and a father who will protect us, who will fight for us, who will suffer with us. And because we're all broken, and our parents are broken, we come from a world that is broken, that's not often what we receive in our biological families. And this isn't to create like, oh, my problems are because, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that we're in a broken world where we fail our children, our parents have failed us because we're broken, because sometimes we react instead of living in freedom, and because that's how it is. Because I have wounds, 
then those, my children are, are going to sometimes receive the results of those wounds. Um, so God knows that. And he doesn't leave us there. He leaves us in a place where he invites us to receive perfection, perfection as a mother, you know, as we need from a mother in his, in his mother Mary. And, and it is based on faith because maybe she's not physically standing here with me right now and I can't lay my head on her lap or I can't. But we have moments where maybe a sister to us or a friend to us kind of embodies and gives us something that Mary would want to give us. And we have times and moments where we experience Christ through somebody when we're looking for Christ. So just as the word became flesh and incarnated and and walked on this earth, God allows us to be Christ for others, to be Mary for others. And he especially allows that when our hearts are open. So it's not like a simple answer to every, every pain that people have been through. It's like, oh, you did, yeah, God's your father or Mary's your mother. But I think it is a process that God loves to walk us through to bring us back to that. So right now, I'm just going to read the, the, the little reading for the um, third sorrowful mystery. So we have, first of all, Mary offering her son in the temple and hearing kind of that his life is overshadowed by a sword. And his life is overshadowed by death even. And her having to trust. And that her own heart will be pierced. And honestly, when you give birth and you're holding your child in your arms and you're exhausted. And, and there is a sense when you're holding this new life that this, this life, the very fact that this life exists and I love this life, it will be a sword in my heart. There is a sword hanging over every child in a sense. Because there's going to be a time when your heart breaks for them completely. And then this flight into Egypt when we have to leave all that we're comfortable for. And we also know like the, the value of this life is kind of overshadowed by behind us this kind of fight against life. And those kind of forces of darkness that, that kind of try to squelch life are a lot more present than just, you know, Herod. They could be on social media with their teenagers and we're worried about, you know, there's just a lot that tries to squelch life. And so you see... And then the obedience of Joseph and, and fleeing and going to a foreign land. So now we have this loss uh, of the child Jesus for three, three days. So Jesus is about 12 years old, and they, they make this annual trip to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. Um, after the festival was over, this is from Luke, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. So the men and women traveled separately. So it was very possible. And he was right at that age where he was neither, like he wasn't fully on this way or fully that way. So it's very possible. Joseph is like, I thought, I thought he was with you. No, I thought he was with you. So after this journey, they find that he is not with them. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days... They found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw them, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he said. Did you not know I had been in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. 
And Mary ponders that in her heart. Have all of you experienced losing your child or losing sight of your child, like in a park, a grocery store, you know, those moments where you just start just like, where are they? And you start running and frantic. And maybe it's like so silly because they're just like somewhere super simple, but like that panic, right? That panic. Mm-hmm. Um, we see this, this kind of fear in um, Mary and Joseph. Like, and you know, almost like when you find sometimes when you're like, you like are just in this desperate state and you're looking and then you find a person and you almost get angry with them. Uh, I remember this after my sister. I was looking for her everywhere and I almost, I promise, I slapped her like one time. Um, she was older than me, but I was like so worried about her. We were in this hotel and where was she and like what was she doing? And I was started like all your imagination, all these things were coming to my mind. Da, da, da. And it was like all this energy was flowing and then I saw her and it was so, like I was just, and she was perfectly fine and I got mad. You know, like angry, like, like, you don't know what you just put me through. You know, um, which obviously was not the right response, but I don't know. I just remember that. Was, I was so, like, it was like I didn't know what to do. All of a sudden, this energy that was, like, going for survival just kind of stopped because it was okay. And so there's, like, where does the energy go? It, it doesn't belong on the face of that person, but, you know. Um, the, the thing that is really interesting is that Jesus says this to them. Did, didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? And oftentimes we translate that as the temple. Um, But this is what is so incredible. So Mary and Joseph have already taken this long way of trust in God. And they've been having to surrender constantly and, and live in this place of trust. And naturally, because they are human. You know, it's not like Mary and Joseph are like walking on the ground. Oh, we're not worried about Jesus. You know, Mary loved him perfectly. So perfect love means perfect suffering. Don't, don't think because Mary is perfect that she didn't suffer. She suffered more, more perfectly, with less self-pity. So she was, understandably, anxious for her son. But here's the interesting thing. He said, did you not know I'd be in my father's house? And he's not actually talking about the temple. So the temple was made by, like, it wasn't even really at this point seen fully as the Father's house. It's an understanding of his world, everything of creation, was his Father's. So you can imagine Mary, like, was he eaten by wolves? Like, what happened? Like, all these different things. And Jesus, in this word, establishes who he is. I am a son of the Father. Like, I'm in my Father's house. What can happen to me in my Father's house? What can happen to me in my father's house? And he speaks a truth, not necessarily even as a rebuke, but just as this this truth that's leading them deeper in their trust. Like, right now, we are in our father's house. But how often in our father's house do we feel not safe? Because no matter where he went, if he went walking here, he went down, he was in his father's house. Nothing could happen to him that his father didn't will. He had such perfect trust in that. Like how, it's almost like, how could you be afraid? I'm in my father's house. These are his trees. Like everything, he, he is walking on the earth knowing that everything that exists is like his father's holy. And this is what he desires for us. His father's house. So when we're talking about that for, in the first talk, that kind of... Um, when your children are so free because they know they're protected, 
This was Jesus in the world, everywhere, knowing, knowing he was in his father's house. I am in my father's house right now. So what does that teach us? Well, first of all, we see this, we call this the sorrow of Mary because it's like in those moments where you almost lose, you know, this kind of foreshadowing of, of loss. We see those can be actually really, they can be wounding experiences in our heart that remain there. Um, you know, my, I have a mother that, she has like six children and her son fell asleep in the car seat and just for like, it wasn't a long time, but they walked in the house and it was so frightened her that they had left him in the car seat that even to this day, even though he's so much longer, she has this reminder on her phone, like, look for Santi in the car. Like, because it was so, that moment, like, it's like all your bones just want to fall to the ground because of the possibility. And it wasn't to live in fear after that, but that kind of like that, it's like that foreshadowing, right, of, <laughs> of the possibility. It's like the parents at Matthew Pedonato's week. Like, they don't want to even think of that possibility. And so this is a true suffering. And Jesus isn't making fun of their suffering. He's not like, he is just saying who he is. And he's trying to bring them to a deeper trust. Didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? So, you know, we talk about the fall and this kind of time where now our existence is in our, on us. This temptation then to grasp for what we need. Um, in this time, I think what we need to do is to realize, like, how can I go back to my father's house? Because each of us sitting in this room right now, we have our own kind of images of who God the Father is based on maybe our own fathers and based on maybe how safe our homes were. And that's hard because that's a wound basically that covers up our eyes from seeing who God the Father is, right? So God the Father's desire is to reveal himself to us in so much love, like that we can just go lie outside on that ground right now and just feel like his hands holding us. That we can walk anywhere without fear because we have a good father that, that watches over us. That's his desire for us. His desire for us is to know his delight in us. His delight. But we have impediments. We have things that are in the way of that. All of us. Sometimes those impediments are our own sin. Our ways of walking away from him. But also sometimes, very often it's the times of where those people in authority, where our fathers have failed us. If I had an alcoholic father, you know, that might color my image of God the Father. If my father left, if he walked out the door on my on my mom and left, I might have a really hard time knowing who God the Father is. So what do we do when we have a distorted image of God the Father and his desire is for us to know who he is? That seems like an insurpassable chasm. 
here I am, here he is, and maybe I want to believe what you're saying, but I don't know how to get there. One of the first things we need to do is to identify possible lies that are in the place and, and, and clouding our vision from seeing God the Father. But even before identifying what the lie might be, is to maybe pray and to ask God for a memory for you when you were in childlike trust. Do you have a memory in your life as a child, maybe before that image was tarred? Do you? You may not. But God wants to give us a knowledge of that. And I, I'm, uh, I'm afraid because it's very possible that some of you in this room do not have a memory of a good father at all. Maybe you want me to stop talking now because it's getting too close. This is where I ask Mary to be present to you. And to show you who her father was. In, the, in this reflection of um, our father's house and how we get there, I just really feel on this feast of Our Lady of Lourdes, there's there's places in our own hearts and our in our beings that we can't we can't take ourselves from point A to point B and uh, just put ourselves really in Mary's hands in that and and ask God the Father to bring us that place of home to His house to understanding his love for us in the places that maybe we haven't experienced it before and to allow ourselves to to let the warmth of that belonging fill our lives in a deeper way so my prayer for you on this feast day is is that mary can take you by the hand in a deeper way and bring you to the father's house especially in those places that most hunger for the father's house God bless.